0: You cannot overcome a problem if you ignore the solution. And I'm here to tell you, I've got the solution. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the solution. And he made a statement, Who the Son sets free is free indeed.
1: Dot now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: I've been ministering this series on how to heal a broken heart. And today I want to conclude this series with the title of a message, Moving On Through God's Grace. Because the, the one thing I know about yesterday is it's yesterday. All of us have a past. We have to learn to get past our past. And that is one of the hardest things that you and I will ever do in our lives. I'm talking about me. If I told you some of the horrendous aspects of my past, the fact that I'm even pastoring today is an amazing thing. Because God was faithful. Could you adjust this? It's this popping and whatever this is all happening for. In your notes, the world needs encouragement probably as much as it needs anything. I'm, I'm going to get very personal because I'm going to talk to you about you. You and I need to be lifted from our despondency, our despair, our discouragements almost on a daily basis. This is not hard to understand because. Folks, we live in a messed up world. Now, man has tried to help this downward spiral of despair. And the number one method that is used in society, and and I might add even in Christianity, are called recovery programs. There's a recovery program for just about everything. And it's because we live in this despondent world of despair. I've learned as a pastor, if I wanted to grow a big church really fast, all I need to do is preach on needs. If I start a program for this need and a program for that need, we'd have hundreds if not thousands. The problem is all the self-help activities, they all base themselves on the symptoms, but they hardly ever get you to the solution. See, many teach, and I left this in your notes, that you will always be what you now are. And I, folks, I'm not against AA. I'm not against NA. I'm not against any other A's out there. And if you're Canadian, please don't take offense at that. I, I'm not against any of it. But they only teach you that You will always be what you already are. And this is where the problem begins. Why? It's because you cannot overcome a problem if you ignore the solution. And I'm here to tell you, I've got the solution. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the solution. And he made a statement, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So today, I don't want to focus on the problem as much as I do the symptoms. But even more than the symptoms, I want to look at the solution. Because many of life's issues can be, if not totally resolved, made easier to live with if we'll just take a new look at this thing called life. First Chronicles 28, David was very bothered. He was very upset at God because God would not allow him to build the temple. Because of his sin with Bathsheba, because he has brought blight on the kingdom, God said, you won't build the temple, but your son Solomon will, which is why the temple in Jerusalem that is going to be rebuilt again. I believe it's going to happen right after the rapture. I believe this is all part of the equation of bringing the world together. God told him that Solomon, your son, will build the temple. That's why to this day it's called Solomon's Temple. David talked to his son Solomon said, Son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged interesting that David put that in there. Why? Because he knew all the stuff that Solomon was going to deal with is the same stuff that David dealt with. He said, only don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, just like he was with me, will be with you. And then I want you to underline this in your notes. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see that the temple is completed. Now I want to take you to Philippians chapter 1. Scripture says that I am certain that God who began the good work in in you will continue it until it is finished. Look at somebody and say, that's good because I'm feeling kind of messed up right now. See, God's working the work and God said he is going to finish the work. In your notes, I make a statement that every day is a choice. Every day is a choice. And then I ask a question, what do you choose? Now, it's not on the screen, and I'm not going to ask Bob to put it on the screen because I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles and turn to it. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is dealing with some issues. He's dealing with some problems. Second Corinthians chapter 12. You have your Bibles, please open it there. Paul is sitting here and he's talking to God and he's, he's understanding that there's a messenger of Satan, is what the Scripture says, was sent to torment Paul, to buffet Paul, to bother Paul. And the Bible says that he went three times to the Lord and said, God, take it away from me, please. And the Lord says these words, My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. People ask all the time, Pastor, why do things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a world of sin. Has nothing to do with God. Has nothing to do with Satan. It has to do with the fall. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God, that man gave Satan, Lucifer, the devil, authority in this world. And until the day the Lord returns, I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about the second coming. The world will remain as it is because of the fall of man. Because man chose to give the keys to the enemy. 2,000 years ago to a cross called Calvary, the Bible says that Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. He set captivity captive, gave gifts unto men, and then he did something. He took the keys of death and hell. He said, I have the keys. The devil don't have the keys anymore. He is still the God of this world. Jesus himself made that declaration. But I now control your destiny. I have the keys. And then in Matthew chapter 28, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And then he gave it to us. And he said, go, make disciples. No place in the Word of God did God say the problems in this earth, the difficulties, the the sins of the world are going to change. Matter of fact, the Bible says the sun shines on the just and the unjust, rains on the just and the unjust. We all love the passage in the book of Matthew. talks about the man that built his house on the rock and the man that built his house on the sand. And we sit down and we say, yes, I'm that one that's built on the rock. And the Bible says the winds and the waves and the storms and everything came. The house didn't fall. But the man who built his house on the sand, not on the security of Christ, not on the confidence of God's kingdom, the Bible says it fell and mighty was the fall of it. And we say, yes, my house didn't fall. But I tell you, if you go outside, you will see it weather beaten. You will see some shingles missing. You will see some of the foundation ripped at but not ripped out because the same storm hit your house. And some of you right now are abiding in that storm. And it's ripped you up one side and down the other. But guess what? You're still standing. You're still standing. You haven't fell. You haven't given in. You haven't given out. Why? Because you haven't given up. I want you to write this in your notes. Right next to that, every day is a choice. What do you choose? I want you to write this. His grace is all I need. We write that. His grace is all I need. You see, ladies and gentlemen, to live life takes commitment. And to live our life as God has stated will consist of living our whole life as unto the Lord. In other words, knowing that the good, the bad, the right, the wrong is all part of life. But I'm not living in it, for it, or by it. I'm living in, by, and through Him. What I have found over the years is there's so many people that spend so much time In the past. But I've learned if we will spend less time rehearsing what might have been, we will have more time to see what yet can be. I don't know about you, but I've looked over my shoulder a few times. Have you ever tried walking doing that? Or how about walking forward, looking backwards? I mean, you can do it for a little while, but pretty soon you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to get tripped up in what? The past when you're living in the present. Therefore, you don't have a future. Something about God's Word tells us that we can move on because of God's grace. Look at Colossians 3. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Why do circle that word whatever. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Because it's not men that you serve that you're going to receive inheritance of. It is the Lord. When we live in what could have been, should have been, would have been, but just wasn't, our whole life is consumed with despondency and despair what we must do is realize that we're not only wasting our life, but let me say something that might cause you to say, ouch, we're wasting God's commitment on Calvary. God has never promised smooth sailing, just a safe landing. The difficulties of life are part of of life. But look what it says in Romans 14. None of us live to himself alone, and none of us die to ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or we die, what's it say? We belong to the Lord. Can I tell you the greatest victory you'll ever have in your life is when you decide to make a commitment to living? Some people they're miserable on their job. You know why they're miserable on the job? They're not making a commitment to their job. They're just punching the clock. They're just going through the motions. You're just doing, "Oh gosh, I got to do this again." There's something their 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 marriage is messed up. Why? Because they're not committed to their marriage. They're coming home expecting the wife to mess up, expecting the husband to to do something stupid, which isn't hard for us guys to do. Some of you ladies miss a great place to shout amen right there. I- I sometimes picture my wife, and I'm walking through the door. She's just just wondering when I'm going to do the first thing. <laughs> just, just, but, hey, it is what it is. See, I'm one of those guys, and, and I admit the despondency of man, the male part. Leland, don't look at me like that. Got to see The War Room. You want to help your husband become the man God called him to be? Go see that movie. Commitment, folks, is the key. Let me tell you something about commitment as that statement stays on the screen. Until I'm committed, there is always a hesitancy. There's a chance for me to draw back. But the moment I definitely commit myself, then God moves in and a whole stream of events begins to erupt. All kinds of unforeseen incidents and Meetings and persons and material assistance, which I could never have dreamed would have come my way, began to follow towards me. And all I did is I made a commitment to living in Christ. I made a decision. Look what the psalmist writes in the 37th chapter. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Well, what if I don't want to? It didn't ask you if you wanted to. It said, trust in the Lord and do good. Doesn't it say that? Does it say that in your Bible? Trust in the Lord and do good. And look what it says. Then you will live safely on the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you your harsh desire. Literally translated, when the Lord becomes your heart or your desire, his heart will become your delight. And look what it says here. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. Another translation, He says, He'll make your life a success. Kind of pretty, that's pretty good. That says it right in the Bible. But Luke 9 says this that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back can do anything in God's kingdom. Folks, we all have a lot of back to look at. We all got a lot of stuff that we wish we could undo. You can't. I remember the guy that was, that was said, you know, somebody asked him how he's doing. The guy said, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. And the guy responded, say, well, what are you doing under them things? Get out of there. You see, the person who is continually looking back to what has gone wrong, to the way he or she was done, to what did or didn't work, this person will never be able to overcome. Why? Because they live in the fear of repeating the failures, the discouragement, the frustration. It's always in the present or the future that we gain our victories and recover our losses. It is never in the past. We were talking about the smitha. We were talking about the stock market. We were talking about that. Some in this room have lost tens of thousands of dollars over the years in the stock markets. And they they say, well, just keep it in there. You'll get it back. Well, that's true. I, I, I don't discount that you'll get it back. It'll take you years of gaining the losses, but not really gaining the futures. I don't know what's going to happen. Pastor, what should I do with my money? Pray. I know what we're doing. Pastor, can you tell me? Not across the pulpit, I can't. But the Bible tells me to prepare. You know, as Christians, we know. Now, I want you to listen to this, please. If you hear nothing else, hear this today. As Christians, we know that whatever occurs, God has sovereignly approved and allowed. If you are a child of God, whatever occurs in your life, God has sovereignly approved and allowed. We, know, we may not know why. And let me say this. I left it in your notes. Please underline this line. We must accept that we may never know why. That has to be part of it, folks. We have to make that that commitment. What we do know is that our pain is by no means an accident to the one who guides us. He is in no way surprised of where you are right now or where you've been. But be confident that he can get you where you're going. You see, I have come to understand this. Before trouble ever touches me, it first has to pass through him. Secondly, in your notes quickly this morning, life can get you down, but only if you let it. You remember that phrase that I ask you to write down? God's grace is all I need. I don't get down. I don't give in, give up, give out because I know God's grace is there. And I know 1 Corinthians 10 says he's never going to let me go through anything I can't handle. So in that, though life can let me down, it can only do that if I choose to let it. Probably the greatest key for you and I to stay encouraged is to begin to accept life just the way it is. No, if you're living in squalor, get your butt out of that place. See, folks, I've said this for years. I I come from a family of 10 kids. We've lived in some pretty bad places. We've lived on the south side of the tracks, the north side of the tracks, the west side, the east side, whatever's the bad size. Folks, it was so bad we lived on the tracks at times. I can blame my mom and dad for where I was born. I can blame them for where I was raised. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear this. You can't blame anybody for where you live. It's your choice. Good, bad, right, or wrong. Well, you don't understand. Don't have to understand. God said, it's your choice. Always gets quiet when I say things like that. I have to accept that life is the way life is. I grew up in the Leave it to Beaver era. Doris Day, my three sons. Some of you, I see your minds are traveling already. I've lost you from now on. Folks, can I tell you something? The Prince Charming persuasion and the Cinderella syndrome, that's not reality. Can I tell you that the only time life becomes difficult is when I think it's supposed to be easy. We have this word or this phrase today called circumstantial reality. Can I tell you that circumstantial reality is reality based around circumstance? But that's not reality. And let me tell you today that reality TV is not reality. I know this is a shock to some of us. It's not real. You want to know reality? Look out the window. You want to know reality? Look at your neighbors. You want to know reality? Go to work on Monday. Pick up the newspaper. And as much as, of it, as you can believe, this is reality. And if we don't do this, we'll begin to think we're a lousy failure that's unacceptable. When in reality, we just have a wrong perspective on what life really is. And can I tell you, fair is one thing it's not. I remember reading a story many years ago about Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, when he, he was young, his mom took, her, took him to a, co- a cobbler. Uh, a cobbler is a shoemaker. You can tell you're getting old when you got to explain <laughs> words that are pretty normal to you. Ah, uh, <clears throat> The ant took him to a cobbler to get a pair of shoes made. It's back when you didn't have shoes; just sit on the shelf. They actually made them, and so the shoemaker asked, "said, said, uh, young man, do you want a round toe or a square toe?" And uh, young Ronalds hemmed and hawed and said, "I don't know. I, I mean, you know, let me think about it." And, and so he said, "Okay, come back in a day or two and let me know." So a few days later, the cobbler saw young Reagan on the street and asked him, "Well, what'd you decide?" And he said, I, I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. And the cobbler said, Well, come tomorrow. I'll have your shoes ready for you. So young Reagan came to the shoe cobbler the next day. And when he arrived, he picked up a pair of shoes, one round, one square. And Ronald Reagan said, Looking at those shoes taught me a valuable lesson. If you don't make a decision, somebody will make it for you. Hear that. If you don't make a decision about life, life will make a decision about you. If you don't make a decision about what you're doing, where you're at, where you've been, where you're going, there's lots that will make it for you. And the Bible teaches that I'm in control of my own destiny. Why? He's got the keys. He said, I give them to you. Am I making any sense today? I can be where I was. Or I can use where I am and start to get where I'm going. Am I making any sense today? Many of our decisions are painful. Many of our decisions are difficult. And I want to make a statement, and I left it in your notes on purpose. is because most of the decisions you and I face every day are not between right and wrong they're usually between good and better. Are we okay with good enough? Or does God want us to make a decision to do better? We must make decisions regarding life. Let me say it again. We must make some decisions regarding life. And according to God's word, he is working for us, though the world may be working against us. I talked about accepting life. Let me expound upon that for just a moment. If I will accept life just the way it is, many of my problems will be resolved instantly. Let me explain. When I'm disturbed, it's usually because some person, place, thing, or situation, or fact in my life is unacceptable to me. And I will find no serenity until I accept that that person, place, thing, or situation is exactly the way it should be at that moment. I can dwell on it. I can murmur about it. I can cuss and discuss. Or I can just accept. That person did that. I did this. The thing went that way. The situation fell that way. Or I can sit back and say, okay, God, you're still God. You're still on the throne. I'm still living for you. Why? Because nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I will never be happy. What I need to do is concentrate not so much on what needs to change in the world as I need to concentrate on what needs to be changed in me. Look at David. He's frustrated. He's, he's aggravated. He has this desire to build the temple, and God tells him, You cannot do it. Your son Solomon has to do it. The Bible says that he was infuriated. But then he came to grips with the reality and said, okay, God, it is what it is. We move on. And then he started encouraging his son. He said, son, don't be frightened by the task. God's going to be with you. Look at me, please. Don't be frightened by where you've been. Don't be consumed by where you're at. Know that he's promised to get you where you're going. That's where you base your confidence. That's where your base is security. You see, that is the grace that gets you through. Can somebody say amen? Back in our text, he told his son, be strong and courageous because God will use you to finish what you have started. Our attitudes in and about life will cause us to decide how we view and how we live life. Now I'm going to step on some toes for just a few minutes. I have a major gift in my life, and that gift's called irritation. And I want you to hear this with all of my heart. Some of you are hanging around with the wrong people. And that's the reason your life is so frustrated, aggravated, and irritated. You can can change location. You can change employment. You can change vocation. I already said that, employment. You, you can change your shoes. You can change anything. But some of us just need to change the relationships that we have. Did you ever hang around somebody that the only positive thing they had was a negative feeling? The only good news was bad news? You may say, well, this is your best friend. I've got something simple to say, and it's in your notes. If you don't change, you will change. We become products of our association. This is why the Bible says Jesus is one of his last prayers to the disciples. He said, Father, I'm sending them as sheep in the midst of wolves. I don't ask that you keep them out of the world. I ask that you keep them safe in the world. Because this is where we have to live. Because God wants to use us to change somebody else. Can you say amen? Lastly and quickly this morning, a decision to be better will affect everything and everyone in your life. There was a young man that was talking to Charles Spurgeon, after he had given his life to Christ, he came back to him after going back out in the world, and he made this statement. He said, either the whole world has changed or I have changed. Can I tell you something? The world isn't going to change. See, the Bible tells us that God did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. He didn't come to change the man's world. He came to change the world's man. This is what Jesus has done, and he has done a very good job of it. In 1 Corinthians 15, I encourage each of us. It says, Christian brothers, because of all of this, we need to be strong and do not allow anyone to change our minds. Always do the work well for the Lord, for there's nothing that we're doing. Whatever you do will not be wasted. I found encouragement. Coming when I simply did right in the midst of the wrong. Somebody did something wrong to you and you turned around and did right to them. That 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 sense of victory, of satisfaction, of grace in your life. Did they deserve it? No. But you and I don't deserve heaven either. We don't deserve the forgiveness. When I didn't feel like doing right, I did it anyway. Look at James chapter 1. Happy is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong when he's tempted. Afterwards, he will get his reward, which God has for all those that love him. He doesn't give in and do wrong just because somebody else did. God's grace is sufficient. You want to have a healed heart? As I've shared many times, we've got to turn to the healer of the broken heart. We've got to turn to the one that can do what nothing else can do. To rise above the circumstances of life We can do this when we know that God knows what's going on. He's working in me. And we will certainly grow by what's growing on when we make a decision to get better and not bitter. There are so many people that if they just make a commitment and a decision that I'm going to live this life for Christ, no matter what somebody else has done, Or doesn't do. I'm going to put it all in God's hands. And we turn to allowing that to be the encouragement of our lives. You will find your entire life change. As the worship team comes, let me make these statements. People fail for lack of encouragement. More than any other reason. That's why the word of God. That's why. The Word of God challenges us, gives us a Christian duty to encourage each other in the house of God. In Hebrews chapter 3, the Bible says, "Encourage encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. Why? That our hearts would not be hardened My sin's deceitless. Can I tell you something? I need encouragement probably as much, if not more, than most people. You say, well, Pastor, that's kind of a a selfish statement. Well, I only make that statement because I'm spending every day of my life encouraging people. I'm spending every day of my life in the gullies. The muck and the mire, helping to lift people out of their circumstance, out of their situation, out of their life. And as a pastor, this is what you do. That's not a complaint, that's not whining, it's just a fact. So, encouragement is something that you want to give something great to your pastor, give encouragement. You want to give something great to the pastor's wife, give them encouragement the pastoral staff, to the Christian leader, to another Christian. Because it makes no difference. It only makes the level of discouragement you deal with. We all face it every day. That's why the Scripture says, encourage one another every day. Every day. Anybody here feel a little encouraged today? Life is what life is. Make a decision. Okay, God, I'm going to live in this life. I'm not going to live according to this life, but I'm going to live according to you in this life. And watch what it does to everybody around you. And then watch what it does inside. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing this song. Who is this king of glory? Who is this one that made a way where there seemed to be no way? And I want to ask you today, where are you at? Where are you at? I know many in this congregation. I know where most of you have been. But you notice I'm not asking you where you've been. Because that really doesn't matter. We've all been in some funky places. at because you see where you at is what's going to determine where you're going and if you're at the past it's tough to see the future if you're stuck in yesterday it's tough to see tomorrow where are you at but you, you just don't understand I do understand if you're stuck in the past, there is no future. Where are you at? Who is this king of glory? He's the beautiful and matchless one. Who is this king?
1: Who is this king so holy?
0: Every knee one day is going to bow.
1: Every knee will bow at His throne. Jesus, the love of God, Savior and King.
0: So as they sing, I want to ask you again: Where are you at? He's the only one that can make a difference. Are you abiding in His presence? Or are you living in your past? Are you going to His future? Are you content where you've always been? See, it really is, as the singers stop for a second, music plays, it really is a choice. It really is a choice. There's lots of things happening in the world. Okay? Is it happening to me? Well, it might be. Okay? What am I doing about it? I can't change the things that Tom might do or might say. But I can sure change the way I take them. Oh, you didn't hear me right. Oh, I heard you just fine. But it still doesn't have to make a difference to me. I can make a difference to it. See, that's what it's like, Ashley. Just the truth of all of it. Where I've been, we've all been. I've stepped through some stuff. My shoes still stink because of some of it. I either scrape it off or I get new shoes. But I ain't going to live in it. Where are you at? Well, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. You've made a choice to live in yesterday's defeat. Therefore, it's hard to see tomorrow's victory. Okay, preacher, then what do I do? Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Now, people think, well, that means he's going to take everything away from me. No. He said, take my yoke upon you, for it is easy. Take my burden. You see, he said, you're going to still have issues. But he said, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to carry them. They're going to be on your shoulders, course. But he said, don't worry. Because they're resting on mine first. Nothing touches you that doesn't first touch him. But we're going to have the storms. We're going to have the struggles. We're going to have the trials. We're going to have the temptations. We're going to have the frustrations, the anxieties, the, the irritations, aggravation. We're going to have them all. He said, don't worry. In this world, you're going to have problems. I'll be of good cheer. I already overcame the world. Preacher, isn't that easy? It is. It is. is. It's choice. I'm going to be victorious. You know why? Because he gave me a victorious life. 2,000 years ago, he descended into hell. He arose. And he says, I've got the keys of death and hell. I've got the keys. I've got the keys. Doyle, what are you going to do with them? I'm giving them to you. I got the keys.
1: Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.